Welcome to another special topic episode of the Olefins Weekly Wrap-Up, a podcast by IHS Market. Today is Thursday, February 25th. I'm Erin Roberts. In today's special topic episode, my two co-hosts, Carla Barasa, Executive Director of North America Light Olefins at IHS Market, and Kathy Hall, Executive Director of Petrochemical Products at Opus, talk about forecasts and forward curves. Enjoy. So, so we're here to talk about forecasts and, and uh, forward curves, right? Yes, and I think I think it's always been an important distinction that maybe has not been on a lot of people's radars until you get to a point like we have been in the past month where we've hit current month, all-time record high spot market pricing, a lot of turmoil in the contract markets, possible record pricing there, lots of speculation all around of is this current price really the right value? How much longer is this sustainable? What will next month do? And all of that. So on top of a record freeze here on the US Gulf Coast. On top Coast. of record freeze, on top of a misjudged demand curve due to the pandemic. It's it's been it's been a lot coming yep. into how we got to 98 cents. And along the way, what what you've been doing is preparing the market for you're going to see price increases well can anybody tell you exactly to what level but no we do see the fundamentals converging here and what i've been doing in a different room of the ihs house is putting out reports every day saying these forward markets they're actively trading people are out there buying and selling in the third quarter in the fourth quarter now that's not the same as a forecast that's just telling you where people are transacting so for that I'm particular day for that particular day right talk about with you what are some of the consistent factors that you use when you're doing your forecasting because there's lots of different models you can combine i'm sure but what are some of the consistent things you're always looking at that are informing your forecasts no i no that's a that's a great point it always starts with the the, the fundamentals and one of the things that I've been hearing from clients is, well, well, why didn't we see this big price run up? And I'm like, look, if uh, if you read the report in September, if you read the report in December, we were calling for shortness in the market. We were calling for a price breakout to happen, uh, especially in September when we told people, hey, prices are are really consolidating here, and the fundamentals suggest that prices would would move higher. Uh, and so, as I said, it always starts with the fundamentals. Then what we do is we look at two things, right? So we have uh, multivariable regression, which takes into account a number of variables, um, three of which are crude oil prices, um, propylene inventories, and propane volume into chemicals. Um, there are other variables that are involved in there, but those are the three main ones. So that's one piece that we that we look at. The other piece is we look at a fancy neural network model that is essentially tied to 80 different energy price sets. So if you can think about it, you have one forecast that's based on uh, a number of fundamental factors, including crude oil price. 
But then you have another forecast uh, that's uh, based on a, a lot of different energy prices and, and trying to find the best fit among those uh, to adequately forecast uh, the propylene price. What I will tell you is that when we look at both of those in aggregate, we essentially paint the fairway, if you will, for those those people that are golfers, right? We essentially paint the fairway. And what we try to do with our forecast is we try to hit the golf ball down that fairway. And so depending on what we see in uh, the supply-demand fundamentals, uh, what's production looking like in, in month plus one, month plus two, and month plus three, what's demand looking like in those months, what are inventories doing, and that's how essentially we create a shape uh, for this forecast within that, uh, that fairway. Now, what I will tell you is that when we look at our multivariable regression, that seems to be a better gauge of what the propylene market is doing rather than the energy-focused neural network model. Um, and so given where prices have moved uh, in February, if we were to take our multivariable regression uh, at face value and would have forecasted at that level, the move that we've seen in February is uh, a really big move, probably an eight standard deviation move, which is essentially putting you in black swan territory, right? So, so that's, uh, nobody could have called this uh, the, the magnitude of the movement. What people could have called and what we, we, we like to think that we did, and if you look back at our reports, uh, it can be confirmed there, is that everything was pointing towards some sort of shortness in February, right? And we knew enterprise was coming down. We knew production uh, was, was starting to ramp up, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't at the level needed to meet the demand that was being forecasted by our polyolefins folks. So we knew there was going to be this convergence of, of oh, supply is not meeting demand, and all of a sudden, inventories are still short and prices would move up. We just couldn't call the magnitude because this, this is an exceptional movement. But I guess from a forward curve perspective, then my question would be, Kathy, how, how would people have prepared for this if they had uh, looked at what we were saying and, and saw an opportunity in February? How would have people prepared for this within the forward curve? Well, some of the factors in the forward curves that that are um, that drive the physical market decisions center around the cost of carry and i think this is true in in certain energy markets as well which is why most markets will have a natural contango shape because yep. it will cost you it will cost you to store this stuff until fourth quarter of next year mm-hmm. however when you feel as though you're in an overheated market that the value will not be retained so you're you're also looking at is the cost of carry worth it so for example if your your forecast i i recall was starting to come out um in say october november so so kathy before you go keep going forward so contango versus backward asia because i i think some you know, not not yeah. a lot of people are, are familiar no, I with that. Get, yeah. I can get into the weeds with that. Yeah. yeah. So a backward market is where your strength is in the nearer term months. So 
a backward market is where today's price is the highest price for the foreseeable future. And as you go through time, the March price is lower, the April price is lower. So when you see in markets, people will do spread trades at a penny backward of Feb March. That just means that they are essentially paying a higher price for Feb than March in that spread. In a contango market, it's the opposite, where today's price is the lowest price you'll see for quite a while because each month the price gets incrementally higher, which is usually related to the cost of storage. But that is a contango market is viewed as a weak market because over time this market will strengthen and that's typically where where curves usually will reside is starting out contango. So backward markets are usually the unusual ones. So I'm looking at a forward curve that we published on November 16th. And at that time, you could have bought February propylene at 38 cents. Wow. You could have bought it, but you also could have sold it. So in that environment, you have a call to make if you're looking at a forecast saying, it looks to me like prices are going up, I'd like to lock this in. Now, if you've got somebody on the other side of that deal who is happy to sell you the 38 because they originally bought it at 34, good for everybody. But what we're doing is we're gathering transactions through the day and um, a lot of these roll through the, uh, the CME, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange has a cleared propylene contract you could see the trades that post up there. This is a market that um, involves a lot of brokers. So they're actively connecting all sorts of parties, be it banks, commodity traders, producers, consumers. Um, you'll have what is known as flow business, where you might have a consumer products company saying, I need to lock in the price of my, my cap, my soda cap. I need to lock that in throughout to uh, 2021. They can do that through the propylene contract, but if they're not registered themselves to trade the propylene or have the storage or have a margin account with the exchanges, they can just take this to a financial institution, a bank and say, this is what I need accomplished. And at that point, the bank gives you that. Okay, here's your price. You have a nice day. Now the bank has a position, but the bank has lots of positions. So that's where the bank can really go out and do something in the market that makes this work for everybody because they they have that ability with their other positions. Now the banks, of course, are obsessed with all of the forecasts because that is where they're taking into consideration. And believe me, when you say the forecast can give you a lot of perspective, but to be able to nail a specific price is is really an impossible ask yeah, there. Yeah. But when you when you see all of the forecasters, let's say that's the the fairway for a banker. He's right, looking right. at three forecasts that all say this price is going to possibly double. And you're thinking it might do more than that. The bank is getting out there doing all this. The bank is also letting all of its customers that might have polypropylene cap position saying, if you're not out there, this might be the time. So at the point where we get to February and you didn't lock in this position in October, 
I understand the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth, but there were opportunities all along the way. So yeah. this is this is where you know what what you can what your inherent position is if you're doing a contract plus or a contract plus plus. You're looking at that propylene contract and you have no control over it. So you're actually hedged to a price that you cannot influence whatsoever. I thought I thought it was very interesting because we had one astute client that pointed out when we had our webinar, uh, I guess it was, I can't remember if it was in November or mid-November or late October, <clears throat> but when we had our webinar, um, the the spot market was pretty quiet and even the paper market was pretty quiet. And then as soon as our webinar ended, because I had, I had put forward the view that, hey, February, things are going to get uh, a little crazy from a supply-demand perspective. Now, keeping in mind that we couldn't have called the absolute magnitude of the price, but from a fundamental perspective, we were already calling for tightness in, in, uh, in February. Uh, she said, uh, or this client had said, that, that there was a, a number of financial trades that were executed later on that afternoon, and uh, the client said that it's almost as if they were listening to your webinar. I said, I said, I, I don't think I'm that uh, influential in the market, but you know, I'd be flattered if I, if I was. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a lot on, on what you're saying. Where, if you have a fundamental view, or if you have a view of a market that is potentially going to increase, uh, you can definitely take a position. Uh, to be able to uh, capitalize on the on that movement early on. Absolutely, you know, and and again, right now in today's propylene forward markets, it is steeply backward. Backward. Yes. By you know, I I talk to my colleagues in uh, in NGLs or other refined products, and just you know, back of the napkin, you do a little bit more than multiply by four essentially in a little bit and I'm, and I'm saying oh yeah you know it's it looks like it's you know maybe it could be 15 cents backward it could be 20 cents backward and they're saying oh yeah propane it's, it's 10 cents backward I'm like that's per gallon per gallon in, in this instance <laughs> we're talking 60 cents backward come on <laughs> so that you know what I see with that it's not necessarily a weak market but I do see people staking out positions and they could bid 80 cents for March paper all day long. It's when someone sells it to them that that says something. Yeah. So there are a few people who agree on the value out out the calendar year that the value is something to lock in here. Now, if we get into March and we're at 88 cents, there's a bunch of people who own 80. Good for them. Yeah. You know. So, and that's the point is that it's not, it's not necessarily about the forward curve being the forecast. The forward curve is, is, you know, another fundamental when you're looking to forecast of what is the sentiment. Some yep. people obviously agree because they're, they're buying and selling at, you know, 72 cents for May or something. So that's a long way from 98. So what, what that says is you have an opportunity to me it's always about opportunities you have an opportunity to this month might be over for you and you just try to get out of it as best you can 
but start looking at May, start looking at, at third quarter, start looking at what those markets are doing. And you don't have to be in it in the sense where, you know, but the broker, I don't know any brokers. You don't have to. That's that's one of the reasons our daily report exists. You can read every day what that is. But, you know, I always think it's interesting to explain to people, this is not my opinion of the price. Yep. This is probably some bank's opinion and a commodity trading shop's opinion of the price. Th those are typically the most active personas uh, that, that trade forward. That's their opinion. And it's worth it's worth noting what their opinion is. You know, you don't have to actually transact yourself, but you can make some decisions based on knowing that, you know, in the second quarter, as I'm talking here, we've got a live offer at 70 and a half for second quarter PGP. And that's a that's a paper offer. You're not going to receive the PGP, but um, but you've locked that price in. So if things end up to be 76, you've already got this position locked in and good for you. So so again, that's where you can um, you know, you can use the futures market in scary environments, especially in resins. We see this a lot in in ethylene, too, is it's really to mitigate your expected losses. You expect your price to go up month after month after month. Well, then you can do something about that to offset the amount of money you're going to have to let fly out the door. And you right, can right. make some money on the futures exchange with your knowledge of the markets because you're an insider in the resin market. So you have an opinion. You talk with your banker or your broker and you say, I want to lock in 70 cents for second quarter and third quarter. You have some knowledge and that sits there. No matter what happens to your price, you're like, oh, look at all that red ink. You've got some money coming in to ameliorate that for you and yeah. offset that for you. And that's that's what the purpose is, to help you get closer to your own budget. Yeah, I think it was, it, it was very interesting when I was in the upstream side of the business and <clears throat> uh, the executive committee of the company that I worked for, um, they always said that they would hedge. This is they would hedge just so they could uh, match cash flows with expenditures. Um, yep. But what was funny is they would speak out of both sides of their mouth because the CEO would then get mad when we when we had a a paper loss and mm -hmm. it exceeded a certain amount of uh, of uh, of money. And it was like, hey, did you forget that why the reason why we're hedging is it's not really a loss, but you just didn't make as much money as you could have because you locked in that price. Right. right. So it was uh, it was rather interesting to see uh, both dynamics at play. Oh, I could have made more money if I hadn't hedged. Oh, but remember, the whole reason you hedged was because you wanted to have some assurance of the price you were going to get. Well, and that yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's not about the low price; it's about the known price. Exactly. Yeah. So it's um, it, it is interesting. And again, a lot of people ask me, "What do you think prices are going to do in March?" I don't know, but I do know. <laughs> I mean, I I come in every day and watch all the trades go on. And like I say, as I'm talking to you, I do know that. There are people out there willing to sell that second quarter down to 70 and a half cents. So regardless that we're sitting at 98 in the here and now. Um, but that's where I always encourage people, look at your forecast and call the forecaster up and call me up and we can yes. all talk about this, but get the knowledge you need 
rather than misconstruing, misunderstanding, not being interested until you face your own consequences, that there's stuff you can do now. And again, like I say, February is is probably over for a lot of people, but March isn't. Apparently, second quarter is alive and well. Um, You know, and think think back to that when when people were saying in Mar- in November the price is going to go up dramatically in the first quarter you could have looked at our report saying apparently I can buy at 38 I wonder yep. what I should do that was your chance this is yep. not your chance this is just you're you're a part of the whirlwind now we're just all watching where this plays out and Hopefully you don't need any spot propylene because it's well, very expensive. And this is this is their chance for the second quarter, right? And That's so, what I mean. The, the opportunities today are in May and July and in second quarter, third quarter. The, the opportunities now are stretching out to the end of the year and into the 2022 market. And right. this is the, the 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 parties in those markets are of the belief that it is steeply backward. And yep. that can create opportunities for anyone who who wants to take positions and lock in positions now for then. Yeah, and I, I think the, the other interesting point that you made is in terms of talking about forward or future prices, right? There, I have a lot more leeway since I'm a forecaster and I say, hey, look, I think the price will go down and here are the fundamental factors, X, Y, and Z, right? Whereas you on the price reporting side, you have very limited capability to talk about forward price other than the fact that you have uh, a series of trades that you can point to to say, hey, look, this is where the forward market is indicating, et cetera, right? I mean, would you care, would you think that's a fair characterization? Absolutely. You know, and it would be ridiculous if, you know, let's say for the second quarter, we mysteriously just said, we believe values at 90 cents. That's a, what I believe doesn't mean anything, okay? Right. But what I believe, though, is sometimes it's not clear Thankfully, at the moment, we have a nice, clear offer. Somebody will sell second quarter at 70 and a half cents. Sometimes it's not that clear. Sometimes there is an offer for March at 75 cents, and then there's an offer to sell March 2Q at a certain backward spread. Well, we'll apply that spread. Or there's something that will be a 2Q, 3Q spread, and then now you have the March 2Q and the 2Q, 3Q, and then somebody bids up 3Q and we have to put the puzzle pieces together. But right. it's it's all that simultaneous value evidence that we are chasing every day like a little puzzle to be able to present definitively, not just to readers of our report, but very importantly to the CME Settlement Committee who is settling margin accounts that are worth a lot of money every day. So for us, an eighth of a cent is an excruciating call to make a change because we know what that could do to people's bank accounts. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think uh, on the fundamental side, when we look at today's markets, we're seeing that there's a lot of fundamental drivers that are pointing towards uh, what on the financial side, what we would call a backward market, or what we would call on the on the fundamental side, you know, a downward facing market, right? A, a downward trending market from a price perspective. It's just 
there's a number of supply factors that would come into play, a number of demand factors that would come into play. So when we look at it uh, from a forecasting perspective, um, we can, in effect, guide people to say, hey, look, these are the fundamental factors at play. We may not hit the magnitude of the decline just right, but we can definitely get call the direction. I think um, you know, for 2020, Kathy, this is just for your benefit. I think uh, on a month forward basis, we called the market, uh, I guess, at least the direction of the contract price, we called it uh, 75% of the time correctly, at least the direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like two or three times we hit it right on the head, right? So, um, and even on a year forward basis, uh, in 2019, when we were looking at 2020, we knew that inventories uh, were going to do, gradually decline, right? In 2019, there was a, a severe overhang of, uh, of inventory, and we knew that inventories were going to decline. We didn't know what the driver was. At the time, we thought it was going to be increased exports and increased demand, et cetera. Uh, we didn't know that this whole COVID mess uh, were, to, were to happen. But I think we came within one cent of predicting the price at the end of, uh, of 2019 for all of 2020, we came within one set. So it, look, I'm taking my victory lap and I'll fully, uh, cop to that. But, um, if we do our fundamental analysis correctly, right. And if we look at the supply demand factors, if we look at inventories and we look at some of these external, uh, analysis like freight costs and, and rail congestion and all these other factors. If we put all that together, put it in a pot, mix it all up, we should be able to get some magic. And I think for 2020, yeah, we were right, but maybe for the wrong reasons. But uh, the fundamental factors are still at play. And I think that's where um, anybody that's interested in the forward markets and looking to hedge their positions, is uh, it, it's really fascinating if they can use both your guidance and my guidance in tandem and make a, make the best decision that they can for their operations. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I agree. So I guess we'll right. keep at it. Yep. Spreading the word. Yep. Sounds good. Registration for the 2021 world petrochemical conference is open. Join us virtually March 8th through 12th for an array of live sessions and top deck interviews with experts in major petrochemical and specialty chemical families. Online workshops start next week. A link to register for WPC can be found in the episode notes on all podcast platforms. We will be taking a break from the podcast next week and return with our weekly update format on Friday, March 12th. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. Check out ihsmarket.com chemical for more information on subscribing to our services. And if you have any follow-up questions about this topic or want us to cover something else for our next special topic episode, you can send an email to me at aaron.roberts at ihsmarket.com. Until next time.